Welcome to Accelerate Your Wealth, a podcast by Rebecca Robertson, founder and director of Evolution Financial Planning. We hope you enjoy the show and please feel free to leave us a review. It really does help. Feel free to connect with us on Facebook, LinkedIn and Instagram or head over to www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk or our sponsor, Evolution Financial Planning for regulated advice on www.evolutionfinancialplanning.co.uk forward slash podcast. So today we're going to be talking to Kate Usher. Um, Kate is a menopause coach and gender equality consultant working for over 10 years with women and organisations to create modern menopause conversations that enable women to stay in their chosen careers and achieve their professional ambitions. Prior to this, she had 20 years experience working in IT transformational product, products, no, projects in a FTSE 100 organisation. Kate's first book, Your Second Phase, Reclaiming Work and Relationships During and After the Menopause, was shortlisted for the Business Book of the Year Award in 2020. Kate and I are going to be talking about how to get a pay rise in your corporate career. And we're going to be talking about gender equality, what's happening in the workplace. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining me today, Kate. Oh, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure. Well, um, I, I mentioned just whilst we were chatting that um, I've got two dogs in my office and hopefully they're going to behave. Um, and you mentioned that you've got a dog. So what kind I of do. dog have you got? I have a Sprudel, which is a cross between a Poodle and a Springer. And uh, yeah, he's he's a bit crazy, a bit mad, does a lot of running about. And A uh, Sprudel? That's yeah. I've not heard that one. It's quite oh, rare. No. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And um, what's his name? Stanley. Stanley. Stanley the Spoodle. I love it. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I've got a 22 week, 22 week old Hungarian Vizsla. Um, Wowza. Yeah. He is quite a lot, actually, even by my standards. You definitely have to be an experienced dog owner to handle this kind of dog. Um and then my very old 13-year-old Labradoodle, who went to the groomers yesterday and now looks like a very young Labrador. Um, so he looks gorgeous. So, yeah, they're um, hopefully they're going to behave themselves because the, the pup likes to get as close to Navas as possible. And uh, Navas doesn't really like him getting that close. So um, hopefully they behave and don't start barking at each other. And likewise, um He's usually pretty quiet, but you just don't know. <laughs> no, like a postman or something will come and yeah, or squirrels in the back garden or something along those lines. <laughs> Squirrel. Squirrels always make me laugh when people say squirrels because you know that cartoon where um has all the balloons on top of the house and it floats yeah. up and the dog in it um doesn't like squirrels. Um so my daughter and I ride. And when we're out and about with the horses, obviously you're riding under trees and through bushes and stuff, and there's squirrels everywhere. So quite often the horses spook at squirrels. So in our house, as soon as someone says squirrel, <laughs> we all shout. So I'm not going to squirrel. Um, so as you would tempt to said the word squirrel, I was laughing to myself because I felt like, should I shout the word squirrel? Um, but maybe not. But there's a little story for you about our crazy family. Um, anyway, enough about my about me and my crazy family. Kate, what's your name? Where'd you come from? Let's pretend we're on a blind date with Scylla now. Obviously, I know your name's Kate, but tell me yeah. about yourself. 
Uh, okay, so I had a near 20-year career in FTSE 100 organisations. I worked my way up. I was to a global project manager and I put in big global um, sort of organisation restructuring, process change and IT system projects. And I managed teams across four continents. Wow, um, wow. And... a round of applause, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, thank you. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I was made redundant in 2008 and uh, in the middle of the financial crisis, just as I'd had my first child. Um, and I I stepped over into the other career, my side hustle that I'd been kind of bringing up alongside as a as a coach. And um, and I, I literally felt invincible and I had another child. Um, and uh, and I was working with women in organisations and coaching them in uh, various aspects of business. And then my menopause hit and um, it kind of changed my direction, really. And I started, I had to, for my own survival, start to think about how to manage menopause. And um, because at that time, Nobody was talking about menopause, so I had to do it for, for me because nobody was helping me other than me. Um, and uh, all I, what I do now is I bring my sort of corporate life alongside my menopause work. But in addition to that, I've always been a very strong feminist. I've always had a real strong belief about women's rights, our role in society, what we should do, what, you know, how we should have equality and e equality of opportunity, really. Um, and uh, I, I've kind of pulled myself into that space more and more as time has gone on. So I sit in this sort of, if you imagine a Venn diagram of corporate of menopause of gender equity and I sit in that space because what drives me above everything else is we need to see more women in positions of influence and we need to make sure they continue through their careers and that they don't fall over the varying sort of life stage hurdles and that they get into those positions of influence and we need them in organizations we need them in politics we need them in our communities we need them everywhere. Um, and uh, women just need some support in doing so. It sounds like you you successfully made the transition from corporate to business owner, which I know for a lot of women in corporate, that's sort of like the the golden chalice of the, 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 the thing to do so that they can have the income, they can have the life, they can have it all. They can, they, it's a win-win. So what would you say is your top tip for maybe women that are in corporate listening to this um, to make that transition successful? Um, when you're in corporate, a lot of things get done for you and you can ask other people to do things for you. Um, and no matter how flexible and adaptable you are, you don't recognise the sort of web of support you have around you. When you step outside corporate, you have to be, um, you know, a Jill of all trades, basically. And you have to be prepared to be more flexible, more adaptable than you have ever been. Um, but by the same token, there comes a point where you have to be prepared to delegate that out. And 
as you're building up your your income and your client base and there's that strange sort of point that pivotal point where you need to let go and but you know you've been so busy holding on that letting go feels really weird um but yeah so you need to let go probably a bit quicker than you thought you had to and it feels comfortable but it's that kind of journey of moving out of the Corporate isn't easy, but moving out of the comfort of having all that support around you to being on your own, to being able to let some of that control go. Okay, great tips. Thank you. So for you, could you have stayed in corporate? Could Can women have it all in corporate? Did you leave corporate because it wasn't fulfilling for you anymore? It wasn't flexible enough around children? Um. Well, I think essentially I was becoming very aware that my corporate life was coming to an end, hence why I was building up the coaching in the background. Um, I was working in a very technical environment and I'm not technical. And I was very much a, a square peg in a round hole, but I was employed to be a square peg in a round hole. So I was the translator from the technical to the non and um and that worked well but I knew that I needed more so for me that that was that was becoming quite apparent and then having children as well that that really sort of brought that home and you think women in corporate can can have it all I think they can I think these days increasingly they can but they need to be prepared to negotiate it negotiate the flexibility flexibility um what they need from a career what their ambitions are where they want to go what they want to do we're not in my experience so great at standing there and being as assertive as we need to be when we're talking about what we want as far as finance is concerned flexibility is concerned what we're prepared to do, where our boundaries sit. Um, and we we have to be a lot more ballsy, a lot more bolshy than we actually are. It's interesting because I'm, I'm on it tomorrow, happens to be tomorrow, I'm on a panel with um, the director of the um, CISI, which is basically investment and securities um, investment. You take your like degree diplomas and things through them basically um then there's also another finance female financial advisor and then there's also another lady at scottish widows and we had our pre we we're on a panel talking about um the pension pay gap and we're talking about and this is at the financial times uh financial advisor forum which is tomorrow um and we're on a, this this panel and we're also talking about diversity in financial services and so my point being is that the pension gap pay gap is down to the fact that we're having gaps in our employment gaps in our salary we're taking lesser pay paid roles um maybe going part-time looking after grandparents or parents um etc it's not just always the children element which but the children element does play a big part mm-hmm. um, and this particular lady I, I sort of said well you you can have it all because um and you can you can do it I have a husband um, so I'm not saying this is always this is only my experience. I'm not saying you could do it completely. It can be done. I know women that do it who are solo parents. Um, 
but you know, I, I have I have a partner of 23 years and I, you know I've got dogs cats horses kids all, all the rest of it and I still work and I I've, I've got a balance I take my kids to school I pick them up I earn, I earn okay I earn you know more than a, the national average salary so I think that's pretty good considering I don't work 60 70 hour a week um and she her comment was is that yeah but you're not in corporate and so that was really telling because it was quite a large provider she worked for. And I'm I'm not sure financial services, I can't speak for every industry, but I'm not sure that certain corporate environments are the right environment to put your head above the parapet. And I can sort of see why you're talking about being ballsy. Um, but even this female in a senior position was saying, was saying, yes, it's possible for you because you're running your own business, you're not in corporate. Um, so for somebody, what would you say to somebody like that? Um, I think, first of all, it does depend what industry you're in and financial services um, have a particular issue around about gaining some level of gender parity and they have done a lot of work on it. And I frequently speak to women in financial services who are struggling um, and uh, it is about... but. Having said all of that, I work with some organisations in financial services and they are amazing and they are recognising the phases in women's life. They are saying that we value the skills that you bring to our workplace and we want you to stay and we recognise that you are not a man in a skirt and that you have different requirements and that we will support you through that. And it is about finding those organisations that value the contribution that women make. I am not going to say that we all need to fight the corner for every woman, because quite frankly, that is exhausting. If you are the only female voice, it's too hard. It, it feels too hard. Too hard. Could, you, yeah. could you sort of start um, a movement maybe in the company where you could start yeah. to put some women together and th that can grow, right? What I know that happened in open work. So I'm I'm an appointed representative, evolution financial planning, my limited company is an appointed representative of two pound wealth limit wealth limited. Um, they're partially owned by the advisors, but they're also owned by one of the largest UK networks called OpenWorks. And so I went to their conference a couple of weeks ago, which is it's a female conference. I've never been to a financially ser financial services network ran financial services conference. Yes, I've gone to female awards, but that's run by a marketing company. That's not really what I would call in the industry quite so much because they've got a different view, different perspective. Um, and I spoke to the chairman of of um, OpenWorks. So we're talking like he ran the whole of one bank, the whole of Asia. You know, we're talking a certain level of individual. And I and I, I questioned him and I said, you know, and, and I asked him some questions around like things that we're talking about. And I said, well, how many women have you got at boardroom level? How many women have you got on your senior executive suite? Um, and he said, yeah, it's not good enough. But what they're trying to do is it's the, the males are that those male individuals are actually trying they're, they're the ones that are leading the conversation yeah um, you can't do it on your own no absolutely not and I think the the big change that we need to encourage women are doing as much as they can do they're doing like 80 90 percent of their 50 percent of this deal men it are going to be the next big step change 
in how we create some level of gender parity. So male allyship is absolutely going to be at the forefront of the next phase of this. We need men to come to the table to drive change. And I'm not surprised by what you're saying. And it, it, the, the step change will be driven by men because women can only go so far on their own. They need the support of their colleagues. So they don't work in isolation. They're not there on their own. They, they are absolutely are surrounded by men and we absolutely need to bring them along. But there are complex parts to this. So, for instance, if we talk about parenting or we talk about menopause, women don't generally do that on their own. They have a partner or they have family or they have friends around them and they are or maybe a combination of all three. And those male friends, partners, family are then bringing the stress of what's going on inside the, the, the woman's home back into the workplace. But they're also bringing the knowledge and the awareness back into the workplace. And we need to start to recognize the impact on men and incorporate them into this discussion rather than saying, no, this is a woman's only discussion. We're having this over here. I 100% agree with you, 100%. And I feel like the one of the comments was made by um, the, the, the director of OpenWorks, not the chairman, that he wants to move the conversation on to diversity. Um, but a lot of the women were sort of saying, well, that, no, we, what, like, no, we, we want to solve some of, we, we've, we've had a conversation for a number of years, but have we really made an impact? Have we really made an indent? Um, why not, can we just solve one problem and then we can diversify? And there was someone that stood up and asked a question, um, which was um, someone in her company, the male there said, um, well, why why can't there be a, a man's conference? Why has there got to be a female conference? And the fact that we've still got men feeling left out and feeling a bit put out is I do feel that the conversation needs to move on, but it's not about diversity. It's still about women, but we need men to be part of that conversation. So I'd like to see at that same conference next year, actually a lot of senior level men and i i said to the chairman will you <laughs> that was a bit cheeky um i said they run a business school um which you can train and do coaching and all sorts of things um you know they've got a director on a big salary we're talking a right quite a big corporate company i said well could you not put a court a training course for your we're called principals so when you run a business like i do and i'm a, a director we're called principals under the fca register um could you not run a leadership um, for principals on how to encourage and develop their female talent um, and he said yes yes we could do that and I'm like okay but are you gonna do it <laughs> I mean that's just a small like little glimmer into like part of my world but it's great to have these conversations and it's so refreshing to have these conversations um, but it's it's like what how do you actually start taking some action and doing something about it um is is a is another level right yeah so when we start getting into that we start we start having to look at the the process but the first place that you look at is your data every organization has more data than they can shake a stick at but the data that we need to look at is the stuff that says this is how many women join your organization. Is that where you expect it to be? And this is this is where how long they, they stay in your organization. 
and this is where they stay in your organization and this is where they leave at varying points and are they leaving at varying uh, you know life phases so are they leaving at maternity at point of maternity leave are they leaving at menopause are they leaving later than that? Is are there touch points of various other in other other parts of our lifeline? Um, are certain departments more welcoming than others? And what's the culture that inside all of that? And that's when it starts getting really interesting. Then we have to look at how we actually keep women in the organization what do we say how do we keep them there what do we do to nurture them bring them onto the talent pipeline what do we you know do we actively choose women to bring them on the talent pipeline or do we do the yeah well you know you need a little bit more rounding off let's nurture you for a bit more before we actually whereas all the men they're going yeah yeah i think you're ready come on through yeah. um, so we tend to be over-mentored, under-sponsored. So we absolutely need to have a look at how we are bringing women along. And are we knitting in that bias from a very early stage? And we need to address those points and start doing it early. And be specific. You know, if there are areas within your business that are terrible at keeping women, why is that? Don't shy away. Go and find out why that is. Be specific. And ask questions, right? Ask yeah. Question. I, I, I was talking to a lady. So I've mentioned Navas went to the groomers yesterday. And um, I was talking to the owner um, of the new shop. It's just brand new in my village. Um, and you don't expect to have a conversation about power planning and financial reports and all that kind of thing with a dog owner, dog shop grooming owner. Um, and she said, oh, I said, I've just got to transfer some money to my account, blah, blah, blah. She said, oh, what do you, what do, you do? I said, oh, I'm a financial advisor, you know, that kind of random conversation. Oh, yeah, I used to work before I set up the shop. I, I was a power planner. Um, I, yeah, I was a, I think I was level six. I did it for 20 years. I trained all the new advisors that came in and we got into a whole conversation. And I said, why didn't you stay? Like, your talent is amazing. And now you've set up a dog shop. Why, why, why? She said, because... I mean, they used to bring on new advisors that were male and I literally used to get a red pen and put it through their reports and go, no, can't say that, can't say that, can't say that. Um, They really didn't have a clue, but they were so confident and cocky and they joined as graduates just wanting to think they could do it all. Um, Whereas even now, myself, you know, I'd go to multi-million pound clients with the advisor as like as the power planner and go along to appointments and I wouldn't feel confident enough to be the advisor. There's this sort of, you know, lack of confidence, even though she's more qualified than the advisors, more experienced than the advisors, but she's, as a female, she didn't feel confident enough to be an advisor. And she said, but my skill set is more on the technical side. It's less on the people side and it's more on the technical report side. And I said, but why didn't they keep you? Like, why did they not nurture you to a point where you would be, she, I just felt like I plateaued and I'd reached where I was going to get to and I wasn't going to go any further and I wanted to change. I was getting bored. I think it's just, it's such a shame. It is, but there's two sides to that. There are absolutely two sides to that. So in the corporate, for the corporate themselves, what a terrible waste of talent. They've spent years educating, training, 
um, this particular person to do the amazing job that they do. Their connectedness is incredible. They would know everybody who came through that process of learning with her. She knew all of them and they probably had gone off to other organizations, some of them. Her network within the industry was vast. And the minute she walked out, that went with her. That, that's irreplaceable. And in today's world of hybrid working, that kind of network is even more difficult to replace. It's, you know, to even create because we're not meeting people in that kind of serendipitous kind of way that we used to. So for a corporate, it's not only the obvious cost, it's all the hidden costs as well, because to get someone back into that space, to learn how to do it, that kind of process of bringing them up to that level takes years. So they've lost from every perspective. But from her perspective, and for this is something for all of us, we should never be embarrassed by our own ambition. We should be feel confident and saying, no, actually, I need some new challenges. I need to do new things. And I know for myself that when I was in, in one of my corporate roles, I was starting to look around at the different departments in the organization and say, do you know what? I, I need some different kind of stuff to do here. I'm getting bored. Um, and the corporate was saying, no, 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 we're, we're in these silos. You stay in your lane and we're we're happy to, to just keep you in your lane. But that meant that I left. But you absolutely, and today we are far more aware of it than we were when I was in corporate, that people do transition across functions. They do go to other spaces within an organization and retrain and bring those skills and awareness of how the organization works, because that's the value. That's mm. the value that they're keeping and people are more aware of that. But we have to be prepared to have those conversations. And we, as women, feel very reluctant to do that. So, so that was the biggest theme when I went to the conference we're talking a room of hundreds of women um the theme was boundaries knowing boundaries so you yeah. can manage your time more effectively what to say no to at work and at home yeah um, and it was the glass ceiling it was um what's the word oh um not, I want to say conspiracy theory that is not it um that um Oh, imposter syndrome. That's what okay. I was Yeah, so that was like the biggest theme. And when I was talking to the lady yesterday, the dog groomer lady, that was very much her theme as well. It's like she just, we, as women, we typically, I mean, I've, I had a saying when I was much younger, fake it till you make it. And um, when I doubted myself, I just said, fake it till you make it. Because not because I was not authentic, not because I wasn't actually good at what I was doing. It's because that little gremlin that was my imposter syndrome, that would be my, you know, my inner child saying, you're not good enough. You can't do this. You can't do that, which happened to a lot when I was a child. I was not an academic. So the fact I'm doing what I'm doing now, I, I had to sort of push myself. And the way I did that was just by saying, fake it till you make it just go see what happens what what what's the worst that could happen yeah um I I did push myself quite quite quickly I was at 28 I was a regional sales manager had the largest most successful financial advisor team um that was unheard of um at such a young age and I was a female um 
so for women it's very much about like how do we overcome some so some some you talk, one of the, your five tips one of them is be open about your ambition but not everyone has that level of ambition some people ambition might not be a financial ambition but it might be to achieve a certain goal but they wouldn't even think of that goal as even a potential option for them because they often women want to be not just doing the job already but doing it to an exceptional standard then they'll be paid for it then they go okay I, I actually now I know my value now I see my value I'm doing the job really well I'm better than all my colleagues I just pass this every single target every single milestone every everything you've asked for I've been doing it for 20 years now I understand my value now I can I have a pay rise please yeah but but why why do women not see that value why do we feel that we have to be so um beyond uh what what you know perception of what everyone feels is a value why don't we see that value and that potential in ourselves sooner um, oh gosh, it, this goes back to our childhood where we're told to be a good girl, where we're told to achieve, where we're told to be perfect, where we're told to be pretty, where we're told to be, you know, sit nicely. So it's how we present continuously, not how we are. So it's it's all about you know, fitting into the stereotypes of what a good girl is or a head girl or, you know, whatever it might be, or team captain, all of those things, are we've fed them. And in our childhood, so I'm in my 50s and definitely when I was growing up, children were, you know, there was still that Victorian sort of perception of seen and not heard and yeah. you know corporal punishment was still going on at school and um we absolutely were told in no uncertain terms that we had to be good we had to you know always be right we always had to do the right thing and that's feeding into what we are now you know those perceptions and differences of what girls and boys are feeds into how we behave today because that we have to be perfect at everything. We have to be brilliant before we ask for that promotion. So what's happened is, is we may have spent a decade waiting to be brilliant and perfect before we feel we have the right. But every, you know, men are not suffering from that. Men are going in every single year when they have the conversation with their manager going, well, what pay rise are you going to give me? What opportunities are you going to give me? I did some good stuff this year. Okay, I might have done the odd thing that wasn't right, but hey, you know, I did some good stuff. Um, so that sort of proportionality is is something that boys are taught. They're taught to be, a, you know, ambitious, uh, ambitious, hugely yeah. ambitious, and always be on the front foot. Always be prepared to say, "Well, what about me? What yeah. about the work that I've done? Look at this. I did this really well over here. Yeah, don't look over there because that wasn't so great. But this is fab. So, yeah, we're, we're taught as women to be, you know, very concerned. Yeah. Um, yeah. It was quite interesting. So um, when I was talking to that chairman, um, you know, it was it was interesting that we were asking difficult questions we weren't being good girls we were asking um you know ruffling a few feathers and 
if you want to be a change maker and you want to see change in the world, then you've got to ask difficult questions and yeah. you, you've yeah. got to put yourself out there and put your head above the parapet. Um, and, and will it go to advantage? Who knows? But you know what? I'd, I'd, I'd rather ask the question and see some, some sort of result from it than sit back and just wait and see what happens. But we were perceived as sort of, um, uh, I don't know what the what language was used, but there was a conversation between a group of individuals and, um, it was almost like I don't know. I'm not saying that we were as the naughty, the naughty lot, but it was a bit of a, that kind of language used. I forget which language exactly was was used, um, but you're you're right in what you're saying, and I think we're encouraged. And I think differently, even when you go to these conferences, you don't want to you, you want to blend in. You don't want to stand out. And I see a lot of the women are like that. They you know they, so that we end up wearing what men are wearing we all, we end up sounding the same and all looking the same um and if you then stand out as a female by asking questions or looking differently or sounding differently um you're almost put into either you're the difficult one or you're yeah. a show off or you're cocky or you're a bit of a bitch yeah. um and actually you're none of those things and I think we don't have the right role models that's a big part of it um, you know, our, my role, role model of someone who was ambitious and, um, you know, had a lot of money from a wealth perspective when I was growing up is someone like Corella Deville. That's the only example that we sort of relatively have. Everything else in terms of cartoons or anything that we're watching in terms of films, they're either, you know, evil keeling puppies or, um, you know, the devil's wears Prada. They're sort of not very nice people. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're socially penalised for, for being assertive. So it's not just that we feel this, but everyone else thinks this too, that women should conform to female stereotypes. And if we step outside and we start being assertive and we start being bullshit and we start saying, no, this isn't right, this is what I want, we're accused of being difficult. We're accused of being, you know shrill we're accused of being like Cruella de Vil who let's face it there has no redeeming factors about her whatsoever um you know she's single and she's she's haggard she's not only is she unpleasant but she does terrible things you know these are horrible this is a horrible stereotype but we are all playing to it so women are penalised for stepping outside. So we have this terrible thing that we want to be more like we want to be. But by the same token, if we step too far away from the female stereotype, we are penalised for doing so. So it's a really delicate balance of how to use assertiveness with your femaleness. And that is that's where where Women it gets yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah that's that's that, that's the complexity of this without being um, passive aggressive yeah indeed <laughs> <laughs> which my husband tells me I'm very good at um, <laughs> I will say that my perimenopause experience um you know he's sort of coming to me with a conversation going um yeah I, I'm I, he runs a big team and he has females and he's saying <laughs> He's he's found that what I'm experiencing, he's seen with other women in his team. And I think it helps him seeing me go through it because he's seeing the more emotional side to it. And then he can, I hope, I feel, I think he can use that within his team as as well. Um, but um, 
I think when you're lurking in confidence, maybe you've just had children, maybe, you know, you've got that um, imposter syndrome and then maybe you think, oh, just, just go along with it because to be quite honest, I can't really handle much more. The dog, the cats, the kids are keeping me enough at, at, up at night. I'm, I'm tired as it is. Um, you can't then work on your self-confidence. You then can't work on maybe skill, other skill sets or taking on another project. And there's only so much bandwidth that you've got. Um, and then so that's X amount of time ticks along and then you're per perimenopausal or menopausal, which again, yeah. affects your confidence. Yeah. I had a lady have a go at me in the car park um, this week. Um, her little boy was, was a toddler running around in the car park. And I went to tickle him to stop him from running in front of a car. Um, I didn't touch him because I was quite aware. And then he started doing it again. And I felt really awkward. So I sort of let a giggle out. But I actually wanted to help her. I wanted to say, oh, I'm really sorry you're going through this. And she was so agitated. She started having a go at me. Saying, do you think it's funny? And she was being quite quite aggressive towards me. Now, normally, normal Becky would be like, you're having a bad day, love. I let that go over my head and whatever. But because I'm a bit perimenopausal I, I won't call myself an anxious person but I started being paranoid about the fact of my interaction and overthinking it all going did I say the right thing did I do the right thing did I did I do something wrong and I started sort of doubting myself and I, I think you know that I see that happen at work sometimes I had a client recently that chased me up on something and I was like oh my god I, I just straight away went into this I'm not doing a good enough job I'm, I'm and I started to panic a little bit that and the putting more stress and more pressure on myself at a time where I really need to take the pressure off right mm. so um I imagine you that that happens quite a lot do you see a lot yeah. of women leaving corporate at a certain age yeah absolutely so we have like key points so women either don't return from maternity or when they do return they come back and work part-time and you know how that impacts our salary and importantly, our pension. And many women sort of say, yeah, well, my husband's earning more than me, so it's my career that has to go. Um, but at that point, we have to have those negotiations. We have to sit down and talk about it. And um, a role model for that is, oh my gosh, what's her name? Her name is Jane Fraser of Citibank. Citigroup. She's she went part time while she had her kids. She's very public about it. She took she took her foot off the gas, and the the bank basically just said, "Yeah, okay." And uh, all right, so she was going to be a superstar in the organisation. But if she can do it, then then we can all do it. Quite frankly. Um, uh, and then uh, and then when we get to menopause, especially in that perimenopausal phase, when we're having those anxiety is incredibly common, incredibly common loss of confidence because we start to lose that sort of immediate memory that we have. So those things around about um, remembering what you were saying, remembering why you were there, remembering what you were doing, how to do something. If you're giving a presentation and you're really stressed and your mind goes utterly blank, goodness me, that is not going to be good for your confidence. And women go, do you know what? I, I can't deal with it. I just can't deal with it. And I'm going to step back. And although we see 10% of women leave, we uh, see many, many more just silently step away from their potential and organizations need to wake up to that and go hang on a minute you were fantastic what's happened to you 
It's not because you don't care. It's not because, you know, you're quiet quitting. It's because you just don't have any confidence because you're going through this. Let's let's put, you know, the metaphorical blanket of support around you and ensure that you stay on. Because if you've gone through every single hurdle and you're still fantastic at that point in your life, yeah. then my God, you are a talent that the organisation has to keep. Definitely. Well, we had to- five top tips to raising your profile to get that promotion and pay rise. And I think we've touched on probably some of them in different ways in, in so far of this conversation. But to sort of like bring it all together and wrap it up a little bit. Number one that you said, this is obviously your list, not mine. Um, relationships create your route to success. So investing time in creating, developing, nurturing relationships. This means checking in with people, having a coffee, talking about what's going on, being positive, so sorry, supportive and supported by others. So we've talked about a bit, a bit about community. Yeah, absolutely. So every single relationship you have, your micro to the macro is really, really important. They are a conduit to success. And we think that relationships are super easy to maintain. Well, when we've got all the stresses that you've just spoken about and all the stresses that I've just spoken about, when you've got all of that going on and you're working in a hybrid environment, relationships are tricky. They are really difficult because um, we have an expectation that they are frictionless. But of course, they are. When we are changing, there's suddenly friction in those relationships and people step back. They go, oh, I don't know if Kate's the person I thought she was. So um, when that's your sponsor, that is a serious issue. When that's your manager, the month before he decides or she decides whether you're going to get your pay rise or that promotion, or when, you know, talent management sees you bursting into tears in the office for no apparent reason whatsoever, at that point, it becomes an issue. So you need to be managing and looking after those relationships. They're critical. I cannot express this too much. If you are being called into the office, go into the office, not one day a month, one day a week, at least go in and speak to people, move around. That day is not your day to sit on the phone and in Zooms. It's about, or Teams, it's about building relationships great tip networking is a, is necessary whilst um boozing after work events or golf oh, financial services are full of golf events oh i know oh, it drives me nuts um i don't like golf i just want to run Thank like take my horses and gallop across the grass like yeah. that's what i do um golf at the weekend may not be your thing seek out industry networking that fits within your um schedule um there are increasing numbers to join the connections that um, can be made and doors um do open yeah so it leads on from the previous point networking is your ability to create those relationships outside of your normal working environment and most industries now including financial services have increasing numbers of female networking events they are based around female sort of time pressures and needs so plug into it because you don't know where those relationships are going to lead and equally they might say you know, this organisation, the one I work for, is fantastic. They're brilliant. They offer this level of service and they really want us to stay. And you just don't know where that's going to lead. So make time to network. Absolutely. 
I mean, and I found that with um, I've worked for two different networks previously. Obviously, I'm not employed; it's my own business. My newest one, which is called Two Plan, that like I mentioned, um, when I joined the cell, we've got a once a year we meet up for all, all the female advisors meet for lunch, um, and we have a female WhatsApp group where we all chat um, and we help each other and support each other basically. Um, and there's a Facebook group which is called Empowered, which is a female-led financial advisor financial advisor firm group it's not it's not a limited company it's not run by anyone um and they um are starting mentoring which i've signed up to be a mentor for so there's there's there are things but i'd be honest if i didn't go out and look around and find it and go and you know we all met up all the girls that we've met on the whatsapp group we went to the conference last week and we all arranged to meet with each other and have drinks and stuff but if if it wasn't somebody leading that then it wouldn't happen. So my only message to someone, if you're finding that that's lacking, then start your own. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. And there is a be like hundreds of you, just no. you, six of you, that, that's yeah. a start. Absolutely. And even if it's inside your organisation, it what it does is it creates a tight network of support and success for all of you. So you'll be swapping stories on what works, where to go, who to speak to, what areas are really in need of female support all of that will be churning through that small group and it's really important there's a perception that women are rubbish at networking i challenge anyone at that point women are fantastic at networking they just don't want to go out you know swill down pints of beer late at night or because let's face it We all know that things happen that shouldn't happen at events like that. Things are said that shouldn't be said. And people want to go home and see their family or just want to go home. You know, a lot of women increasingly so are not drinking. I am amazed at how this is becoming a trend. And um, they they don't want to go out to the pub for, you know, three or four hours with everyone getting steadily drunk and they're stone cold sober. So, um, and people don't want to go to rugby. They don't want to go to football and they don't want to go to golf. I'm with you on the golf. I hate it. There's a golf course at the back of my house. Um, But yes, so we need to create what works for us. And so plug yourself in. Yeah, that's, uh, that sounds good. Um, and I, I just want to mention um, collaboration over competition. Um, I think there are some women who get very, because we've been in the masculine, we've taught to be like, well, you're either really feminine and soft and nothing because we've not been taught soft power. And a great, great advocate for this is a lady called Dr. Joanna Martin, one of many. Um, I've learned about this sort of softer power. My husband would call it uh, more me being passive aggressive, but um I'm still working on it. Um, and uh, but, but there are some women that are very, very much in their masculine because that's what we've been taught, as we were mentioning earlier on. And so then that competition becomes more of a thing. So then when you bring women together, it doesn't work if you are in an environment or the vibe of the company um, or the network that you're creating has that same level of masculine competition. It doesn't work with women, full stop. Um, so you almost have to have everyone step into it by saying we're here to support we're here to mentor and help each other and he goes left at the door kind of thing and that'd be my top tip because that's where I see it go wrong very very wrong very quickly when there's too much ego with women in the room yeah 
I agree. And some of behind some of the things behind that as well is it's an either-or mentality. There's only one place for a woman, and we've all got to fight for it. And it's almost like, you know, the women in the bikinis in the swimming pool with baked beans in it. The men stand around going, yeah, yeah, fight amongst yourselves for the one role that we're going to let you have. Instead <laughs> of saying, no, sod that. We're going to have two, three, four roles in this group and we're all going to get into it instead of like it's one of us and we're going to have to fight it out to get there. No, definitely. Uh, the third tip is don't be shy about money. Do your homework about salary bands for your role, plus the role that you're aiming for. Aim for the top of your salary band so that you're not starting from the bottom when you are promoted. So this is a good question. Would you ask people what their salaries are if you don't know what their salary bands are? Or should HR give them out bandings? Uh, HR should give you the bandings. Absolutely. There's nothing There's nothing secret in a salary band. Um, but... Uh, it's a really tricky question. Some organisations as part of their gender pay gap are now publishing um, the sort of salaries that are going on inside their organisation. But you need to, again, it's about ambition for it. So one of the reasons that we get paid less is that women enter in at the generally, this is a huge generalisation, um, entering at the bottom of a salary band, whereas men often come in, even in post-grad, at the middle to the top end of a salary band. So you've got that, that delta between our salaries when we start. And because what happens is, is they are only moving us proportionally through that. So what was your last salary? What's your current salary? We, and they, so they're moving you again into the bottom section. And whereas that delta at the bottom might be like two grand, by the time you've got 10 years in business, it can be 50, 60, 100 grand. So right. it's baked in continuously. So if you start to aim for the top of your salary band, then you are jumping over that issue. Love it. Good, good tip. Brilliant. And being shy about money, I think that's something to do more to do with self-confidence. Um, we're also as a society we're sort of taught 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 not to talk about money mm -hmm. um, and so yeah definitely get comfortable about talking talk it through with your friends your family um to talk about money in all kinds of instances make it normal um so that when you then talk about your salary you're doing it in a much more confident way um be open about your ambition i think we touched on this quite a bit already in half yeah. um, in your half year and yearly review discuss where you are and your ambitions with your manager ask for their advice um in how you can achieve them more quickly that's a great tip um if it's if it, it is sorry i'm distracted by the puppy doing i don't know <laughs> chewing something um <laughs> it is important if you are given pointers to visit visibly act on them at least or at least one of them yeah. Uh, but it's a great tip you know actually ask ask them what could what more could I be doing yeah absolutely and if they are giving you advice as I say take it and do it because if you if they then say well I told you that you needed to do x or y and you've done none of that you and you haven't then you can't then complain you have to be able to say yeah actually I did do it this is what's happened and and if you do do it and it doesn't quite work out, go back to them and say, I followed that tip. What what is it that I didn't quite do right? Can you yeah. can you help me with this? Perfect. Great tip. 
And then last of all is mentoring and sponsors, which you mentioned previously, which I I never I would never I had a boss, but I didn't have a mentor. And I think that oh, comes yeah. back down to like role models, isn't it? And and, yeah. and that kind of thing. And um, find out in your organization organization has a mentoring or talent program. Speak to someone in HR to find out what you would need to do to get on it. I often find that they're hidden, they're not obvious. People mm-hmm. aren't talking about them all the time. They're there, but they're not, they're not obvious. Um, ask who is in it um, if for no other reason to ask um, whether what it's like again that's another great way to network and be, build communities and find out who, who's in there definitely and then you can go and stalk the men, different maybe the different mentors on LinkedIn <laughs> and you know go and have a chat with some of the different people that are in the talent program that's a that's a, that's a great tip brilliant um, anything to add on that point um I think uh the idea of a sponsor is a really important one and you need to be aware of thinking about how you can have a sponsor because mentors are the guys are the people who help you and you've registered as a mentor and how to progress how to do the things the steps it takes to get to where you want to be and we all know that sponsors are the ones who are talking about us while we're not in the room so they're the ones going you know i think Kate is brilliant and I think she'd be fantastic at this project or we we need to be looking at at, at promoting Kate in the next 18 months or whatever it is so they're the ones that you need to be aware of who are those people who are going to be speaking about you and have the power to give you opportunity and make sure that you are showing up and doing what needs to be done so that they are aware of that. It's gamifying the process, 100%. But men aren't worrying about that. They're gamifying it all the time. So absolutely get in there and prove that you are the one to be promoted, basically. I I wouldn't have gone for the mentoring thing if I hadn't have gone all the way to Birmingham to the other open works networking or not a conference mm-hmm. which I was 50 50 if I was going to go or not um it's not something I have to go to it's not compulsory and I was sitting um on a table where it was the business school director and her team were had I not been in that place at that point at that time I had I wouldn't have met them and had that conversation right yeah. I didn't even know it existed because it wasn't part of like our side of the corporate company it was like it's quite separate at the moment um and I wouldn't have thought myself as a mentor like I I sort of oh I'll, I'll do it I, I don't mind um <laughs> and then when it came to the other company that I met I put myself for uh mentoring yeah. I said to him well I'm not very technical I'm, I'm more of a the marketing business development client journey client outcomes planning stuff I'm not you know oh what's the ruling on 0.612 of the chartered act of blah 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 that's not me um and so I already I was putting myself down because I wasn't what's perceived to be perfect in the industry which is basically you're chartered and you're highly technical um but I'm starting you know I'm I'm getting more comfortable with the fact that I have other skill sets and it's you know those those skill sets are valued um and who knows what opportunities or other doors it will open um that's not why I'm doing it I'm doing it to give back to others to sort of have helping hand so that other women can have a a ladder up uh, without the same the things that we I've had to go through and I'm sure you've got yeah yeah absolutely 
And I, I think the point that you're making is a really important one. Mentors give you the skills in a part of your career. So if there's an area that you're you feel like you need some some help with, or if you feel that you're good at, but you're not quite good enough, or you really want to take it into the next level, then then that mentor is the mentor who's brilliant in that space. But you might need a, men a different mentor for a different part of your career. So we have to get over the idea that one size fits all. We know it doesn't. Um, so, you know, if you want specific help, find a mentor who's brilliant at it and then push yourself up through that space. Brilliant tip. Yeah. And I, and I would say that I didn't get confident just on my own. I think through networking, uh, building relationships, um, having conversations, um, being around other financial advisors that made me go, actually, I'm all right. <laughs> My clients keep telling me that I'm good and I think I'm good. But actually, I'm doing I'm doing all right. Um, yeah. And so, so those that are sort of isolating themselves, um, you're you're not going to get anywhere by doing that by isolating yourself more and more. Um, and when you lose confidence, you tend to. And I certainly do. I go into myself. So it's a bit of a self fulfilling prophecy, where yeah, you're just going around in circles. Well, um, they've been great five tips from you. Thank you for sending them to, to me beforehand, Kate, to read through. It's been an amazing conversation today. I've really enjoyed it. Um, how can people work with you? How how do you work with people at the moment? Okay, so I do a lot of work with corporates and women in corporates. Um, and uh, so if you are finding that my specific sort of focus is around about relationships, conversations, uh, gender equity and menopause. So in that really weird kind of box that I sit in. And um, so if you want to work with me, please do get in touch. I've got a website. So that's www, even that's three W's at menopauseinbusiness.com. Uh, sorry, dot menopauseinbusiness.com. I completely fluffed that. Um, or you can find me, email me at kate at menopauseinbusiness.com or find me on LinkedIn. My God, I am there far too much. Um, <laughs> and someday I might actually get into Instagram, but there you go. So there's how you can find me. Perfect. Um, and so do you do speaking sort of things? So I do. Yeah. So I do a lot of speaking. I'm a keynote speaker and I do training and I do coaching. So all sorts of stuff. And I do loads of analysis of the background stuff as well. Love it. Love it. Love it. Well, we'll share your um, your links um, in our show notes. So you could those listening, please go and connect with Kate. Join join the, the LinkedIn network with her um, and, you know, Maybe sharing pictures of your uh, lovely what's what's the breed again? I've forgotten. Sprudel. Sprudel. Yeah. Do you, is it Stanley? Did you say? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you share things like that on your LinkedIn of Stanley? No. Not really. Keep not it really. Then. Yeah. No. I I I like to keep him as ours. Really. Oh, but I want to see a picture of him now. <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's been lovely um, joining us today. Thank you so much for your time. And um, just get in touch with Kate if you want to have a conversation about any of the things that we've been talking about. If you're struggling with any of these things, then get in touch with Kate and I'm sure she'd be happy to help. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been an absolute pleasure.
No, you're more than welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Accelerate Your Wealth. For further help or to connect with Rebecca directly, please head over to the website www.rebeccarobertson.co.uk where you can find further information on our planner, book and how to further maximise your wealth. Our sponsor, Evolution Financial Planning for regulated advice on pensions, investments, mortgages, insurances on www.evolutionfinancialplanning.co.uk forward slash podcast.